0: the Lord everybody. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand to our feet? Why don't we give the Lord some praise in this place? Hallelujah. Everybody excited to be here? Jesus, we love you. We praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for so great a salvation, the breath of life, the beating of the heart. Hallelujah, Jesus, the opportunity to praise you and to worship you, to give you all the glory and all the honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing as the choir. As the praise singers sing, Jesus' name. salvation hallelujah hallelujah glory to god glory to god lord you are awesome and you are worthy hallelujah hallelujah feels awesome in this place today hallelujah let's take a moment though we've got several visitors let's turn around and greet them and welcome them in jesus name Just lift our hands all across this building, Lord. We give you all the worries, the cares, and the concerns, oh Lord. Hallelujah. We throw them at your feet, oh God. The things that would distract us and cloud our minds, oh Lord, from truly focusing on you, Lord. Hallelujah. From allowing you, Lord, to do your perfect will in this place, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, as you deserve all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah i'm thankful for an awesome god who forgave me of all my sin hallelujah and i know many of you feel the same way can imagine living life without him hallelujah we are a blessed blessed people jesus name amen as yosh has come forward in the way of announcements if you're a visitor first time visitor you should have received one of these today Uh, uh, Fill it out and take it to the coffee shop, and you get a free coffee over there. Uh, If you've not had Brother Sergeant's coffee, you are missing out. So make sure you fill that out and get over there and uh, turn that in. We'd love to sit down and fellowship with you and uh, say hello, and you can have the finest coffee around. Hallelujah. So make sure you do that for all the guests. Uh, Morning prayer daily from Monday through Saturday, 5.30 till 9 o'clock in the morning. It's an awesome way to start the day, to kick the devil in the teeth, hallelujah, and to connect with the God of all creation, amen, hallelujah. And then Tuesday night, beginning at 7 o'clock with prayer, 7.30 for service, come out, we have an awesome, awesome time, in midweek service in Jesus' name, and then all church prayer at 7 o'clock p.m. on Wednesday. Hallelujah. If you're visiting with us, you're free to join us. We're an awesome time gathering together and to pray. As the times go darker, we are the light. Hallelujah. So it's an awesome time to get together. Iron sharpeneth iron. Hallelujah. And then men's prayer, July 20th at 7 o'clock in the morning for all men. Let's gather together. Let's, let's be there united as soldiers of the cross. Hallelujah. We're going to have an awesome, awesome time jesus name well it's time to take up the tithe and the offering the temple offering what an opportunity and a privilege to be able to give back to the god who created all things hallelujah who's blessed us so richly let's give back richly hallelujah let's go ahead and pray father thank you lord for the opportunity to invest back into kingdom things lord heavenly things and we pray lord that you use this and multiply it for reaching souls lord as they're all around us oh god to further the kingdom in jesus name we pray amen It's not greater than- Across this building. God is wanting to do a work in here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. The greatest resistance to God is not the devil. It's our own will. Hallelujah. God, I'll lay it down your, for your perfect will, your perfect ways in my life. Hallelujah. To work it out, Lord. Jesus. Lord, I need you, Lord. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus.
1: Jesus. No other name, no other name my Jesus, my Jesus.
0: God is already in this place. He's here to heal. He's here to deliver today. Hallelujah. Are we willing to lay it down? Jesus, here you go. I'll put it at your feet, Lord. Heal my mind. Heal my heart, Lord. Hallelujah. Here's this situation, God. Have complete control. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. As his ways are far above our ways far greater hallelujah jesus hallelujah well, as you can see pastor is not here today he's off preaching somewhere down in Oregon so we obviously know he's going to be preaching mightily hallelujah and then the holy ghost it's going to be awesome hallelujah it's good to see brother and uh, sister oswalds her parents his in-laws hallelujah as they're here today in jesus name We have been left in good hands. Brother Oswald is no stranger to this church. Baptized here, saved here, hallelujah, and sent out from here. And he is here today to preach. So let's put our hands together unto the Lord as he comes in Jesus' name.
2: That's it. Give the Lord some praise. Come on, clap your hands. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. We sing that name, Jesus, Jesus. This world doesn't have a clue. A lot of people, they don't get any tremble at the name of Jesus. The devils have more sense than that. Even the devils believe and tremble. We need a fresh revelation of who he is. We need a fresh understanding of the power of Jesus Christ. good in the house of the Lord today, I give honor to Pastor and Sister Mayo, I give honor to my parents, they're not here, but if they weren't together, I wouldn't be, And likewise we ought to give honor to Pastor and Sister Mayo, because if they weren't here, none of us would be here, why don't we do that right now, thank you, thank you, Sister Mayo, wherever you are, thank you. Well, the world has International Women's Day, and we celebrate Mother's Day. There ought to be a wife, a wife's day. Anybody married? Anybody thankful for your spouse? give honor to my wife's parents, some of the finest people I've ever met, and... They did a good job with raising my wife. And you know, what you do in secret will be rewarded openly. And when you're married to a guy like me, (laughs) only God knows what you go through. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but, but God knows the time that she gives me, you know, she stays at home with the kids, and and she educates them, and she raises them, but when I get off work and I come home, she doesn't get a break. She lets me lock myself away and spend time with God, because she understands the importance of that, and so, Brother Austin, if you would, I just turn this? I was at the old building, saved in that one, and they had a pulpit with one of these, and someone twisted it and it broke. So I don't want to touch it because Pastor knows who's standing here today, <laughs> and I, I don't want to pay for it. Praise God. You know, we we live in a society that is inundated with fear, and overwhelmed with anxieties, and phobias, and I believe everyone in here, by the time we're done, you're going to identify something. And my prayer for this service is that we could just, that God would open our eyes to see Who is on our side? Like when Elijah prayed that his servant, God would open his eyes so he could see the chariots and the angels and the fire. Because when you fear him, you won't fear anything else. And I could spend 45 minutes listing all the things people are afraid to be alone, people are afraid. To go in public, people, some are afraid of water, they're irrational fears. And every human emotion that's negative, psychologists say that they can, they can it stems from, from a form of fear. She's jealous, no, she's afraid that you might like her more than She's afraid to be alone. She's afraid of separation. Well, he always wants to go out with his buddies. He always wants to do things without me. No, he's afraid of losing his own autonomy. He's afraid of losing independence. It's a commitment problem. No, he's afraid. I believe that Psalm 23 holds the key. David gives us the key. To understanding who your God is, who is with you, who is for you. If you'd stand to your feet, we're going to read Psalm 23 together. Thank you, Jesus. the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk without the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. That's pursue me all the days of my life. Oh, in the house of the Lord forever. I want to preach on this thought, confidence in the shadow. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the presence and the ownership that follows your name. God, I thank you for all that you are and all that you've done. I pray that you would touch this service today, that you would anoint my lips to preach, that you would open up our minds and our hearts to understand what you want from us today. God, I pray that you would give us the answer to every problem, answer to every fear, that we could stand in the face of fear and say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This is much more than a poetic statement. This is a definitive statement of faith. This is a psalm of David, but these are not the words of a young David. This is, these are the words of an aged King David looking back over his life and seeing the provision and the protection of a divine shepherd. It rings from experience. There's a calm certainty of tone in this writing. And it says, the Lord, if you read from King James, it's Lord, all caps, L-O-R-D. That's known as the Tetragrammaton. It was the covenant name of God. This is significant. I'm going to teach for a few minutes to get us all on the same page so that there's a deep, rich understanding Of what the name of God carries with it. This was the covenant name of God. This was not Elohim. Even the heathen believed in Elohim or Elohims. It says in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning Elohim created. This was not the name of God. This was deity. The heathen believed in deity. In pantheism. Many gods. Elohims. But only God's people received a revelation of his name. Only God's people got an introduction to a personal side of God. And with the name comes ownership. And with the name comes redemption. And with the name comes the presence of God. In Genesis 4.26, we see the beginning of this. It says... At this point in time, then begin men to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, there's very good Hebrew scholarship that supports what I'm going to say right here. We read it as it it was written, but this was an idiom. It was a manner of speech. It's like if I say, Johnny beats around the bush, you know it means he's not getting to the point. He's, he's, He's not actually beating a bush. It's a manner of speech. This is the same thing. And when they read this, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. What this was really meaning was that the name of the Lord was called over them. The name of the Lord was called over a person or a group at this point. And with that came presence. You see Cain, 10 verses earlier, verse number 16, it says he departed from the presence of the Lord. Well, you can't do that. Adam tried. He hid. Guess what? You can't escape God. You can't outrun God. What it was saying is Cain's walking away from covenant with God. He walked out of the presence. What's that say? It says when you walk out on God, his presence won't follow you there. You can't feel him the same way you used to feel him. Stepping out of covenant and being in the covenant. We see this on Moses in Exodus 34, verses 5 and 6. If you could, follow me the best you can and put the the verses up. It's going to make this a lot easier. At this point in time, Moses is with God and it says, the Lord descended in a cloud and passed by him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord. He's putting his name on Moses. We see this again in Numbers 6, chapter 24, when God he tells Moses to tell Aaron and the priest, this is how I want you to bless the people. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. Uh, number 6, 24, the Lord make his face shine upon thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. In verse 27, it says this, and they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Literally, they shall invoke my name upon them is significant to covenant. Only the people of God get his name. And God chooses to set a distinction between his name-called people and the rest of the world. When he introduced himself to Moses, he said, I am that I am, Moses. And you go tell them that I am sent you. And when That's the best they could translate it, but what it means is I am that I am, I am that I was, I am that I will be. If I was ever a deliverer, I'm still a deliverer. If I was ever a healer, I'm still a healer. If I ever had power, I still have power. He said, you go tell him, go tell Pharaoh and Egypt that I am sent you. He was getting ready to set a distinction between the covenant name called people and the rest of Egypt. And you look at the plagues that begin to hit Egypt, and with them it says that they would know the Lord did this. It hit Egypt, but didn't hit Goshen. Why? Because the Lord is with these people. These are my people. Setting a foundation. There's so much power in the name that we just sang about. And you know what, I believe when he went in and he said, I am, he was saying, because I am, because they were pantheistic, they had lots of gods. They had a a, a cattle god, and there was a plague that struck all their livestock, and they had a bunch of sick gods roaming the streets. And and, and when he hit them with boils, they couldn't enter their temples. They said the city of Memphis had over a thousand temples, and they all had locked doors. Why? Because I am, and they're not. The I am people are having church, and they're not. They have power, and we don't. He was proving himself to them. And it says in Psalm 106.8 that he redeemed them. Why? For his name's sake, To show his mighty power. When you have the name of Jesus invoked over you at baptism. Baptism. You get that God. You get the God of both testaments. You get the I am that I am, I am that I was, I am that I will be. Same power, same ownership, same presence. You can take confidence if you've been baptized in Jesus' name. If you've had the name of God called over you at covenant, Jesus showed up and he said, Look, before Abraham was, I am. If I was a deliverer for them, I'll be a deliverer for you. Yeah, Amos 9, 11 and 12. Verse 12 says this, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, that's mankind, and of the heathen, he's talking to the Israelites, of the heathen, it says, which are called by my name. The Hebrews are like, what does this mean? The Gentiles called by his name. He's speaking about us. He's speaking about the future of where he's going with this thing called salvation. We see it in Acts 15. He's he's repeating what was written in Amos. The heathen, the Gentiles called by my name. And here it says in verse 17 that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom the name is called. This is talking about baptism in Jesus' name. When Saul or Paul, however you like to refer to him, when he recounts his testimony in Acts 22, he says, And, and now why tarriest thou? This was told to him Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, doing what? Calling upon the name of the Lord. This name is tied to the covenant. And so David, when he pins Psalm 23, it's with this understanding that I'm a name called child. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Not Elohim, not some idea. No. The Lord, yod heh vav is my shepherd. David, see, we read this and it just sounds poetic. It sounds Beautiful, we know about shepherd and sheep, but David really identified with the shepherd and the sheep. You kind of have to put yourself in David's mindset. David knows that the shepherd is always keeping watch. When it's dark and the enemy is trying to slip in and plant thoughts and try to take the sheep, the shepherd is watching. Even, even if the enemy gets a hold of one of them and gets it in his mouth between his jaws, he knows the shepherd will lay down his life to deliver the sheep. I believe this is why David was called a man after God's own heart, because he understood that preeminently my role as shepherd is to be a deliverer of sheep. David gets this. The Lord is my shepherd. There's some in here, you don't feel like you can say that. The Lord is my shepherd. You say, well, David was a king. David was anointed. He lived in high places. He was elevated. But let's recount some of the low places of David's life. Because I guarantee that the low places in David's life are far lower than anything anyone in this room has experienced. David had to hide in a cave, not just because a king was after him, the Lord's anointed was after him. That guy. David was hiding in caves from the Lord's anointed. And he had this thought, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He didn't get a bad attitude. He didn't worry about it. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David knows what it's like to lose a child. 2 Samuel chapter number 12, David, he gets rebuked by the prophet, the man of God comes to him, tells him a parable, David gets mad, he said, look, David, that man is you. And David said, I've sinned. And he said, don't worry, you're not going to die, but your baby's going to die. He said, the Lord is going to take your baby from you. That God of yours, that shepherd of yours is going to take your child. Anyone f- ever had that happen? I want you to imagine a man of God coming down the stairs, walking up to you and saying, that baby that you love so much, I'm going to take him from you. And David doesn't get mad. David, David he, it says he goes and he throws himself on the earth and he fasts. He begins to weep for this child. He begins to to seek God, seeing if maybe somehow he could change his mind. And his servants, after the child dies, they're afraid to tell David. They're afraid to tell him because a wounded man is a dangerous thing. They don't know what this man's going to do. He's wounded. He's grieved. When Nebuchadnezzar was wounded, when he was humiliated, when he was rejected by the Hebrew boys, he tried to kill him. When Cain, when his offering wasn't accepted by God, he rose up and slew his brother because a wounded man is a dangerous thing. I've seen people get wounded in church and ruin their family. I've watched people walk out on God, walk out on their, on their family, on their wife and their child because they're wounded. Woundedness, if not dealt with properly, will take you from this place and put you on a bar stool you got to be careful how you handle woundedness. I don't care if it comes from a prophet, if it comes from the man of God, if it comes from your wife. you got to be careful when you're wounded how you handle it. And so look what David does. He's praying, he's fasting, and his servants are over here whispering because the child's dead and they're afraid to tell him. And he gets up and he says, is the child dead? And they say, yeah, he's dead. And he says, okay. And he gets dressed and he cleans up. He anoints himself. He does not eat. Why? Because when you're wounded, it's dangerous to feed your flesh. When you're wounded, it's dangerous to seek those things that used to please you, used to lift your spirits, used to lift you up. When you're wounded, David says, no, I'm going to get dressed, I'm anointing myself, and I'm going to worship God. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He can take He can take my child. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. was Saul's woundedness from being rejected that caused him to go crazy. You wonder why all these shootings are happening? Because when you're wounded, you can't think right. A wounded man. I'm telling you. Be careful. The crazy thoughts in your head are not from God you got to know that. There's people, I've experienced this myself. Something comes in my mind, and it's crazy, but it's not from God, and it's not you. The enemy will feast on woundedness. And so he pins verse 4. Psalm 23 and verse 4. Yay! though I walk through the valley. Low place of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He's describing two aspects of this environment one is the low place, and the other is the atmosphere, which is dark. The shadow that is being cast over David, this is not just a cloud. This isn't an emotional mood he's in. He's in a low place, and in that low place, there's a shadow being cast over him. And he says this. He says it's the shadow of death. This isn't a situation where death was imminent. I want you to picture it like this. David, you can only be in something's shadow if it's close to you. This wasn't when Saul was chasing him. This wasn't when he stood before Goliath. He said it's the shadow of death. I want you to think about this. Death. What is death? It's as normal as life. It's coming. If you're in this place, if you can hear my voice, you're going to die. David's life existed. He understood that this life that I've been brought into, there is a shadow over it. And his name is death. I believe even when he was led into green pastures and besides still waters, I believe the shadow was there. You ever drive up into the mountains, where's the water? Where's the the pastures? They're in the valley. They're in the low place. The shadow of death in every part of you. It doesn't matter what road you're on. It doesn't matter where you stand financially, what, what you're doing. The road you're on leads to death. It's imminent. It's inescapable. Hebrews 9.27 says, it's appointed unto men once to die. It's one appointment you won't miss. You can't reschedule. You won't be late. And whatever you're wearing, whatever you're doing, however you're living, you're going to go from from standing on the throne, from standing on the footstool. Instantly, you're going to be in the throne room. Appointed once to die, and then what? The judgment. You got to think about this. The shadow of death, he's saying. And death, they say, it's the most basic, primal fear of human. It's, It's the most basic human fear is death. Of all the anxieties and all the phobias and everything that there is, there's five things that cause fear in the hearts of man. And almost everything else can be put into those five things. And the number one is extinction. It's, it's death. It's lack of being. This is why some people have a fear of heights. The next is mutilation. A fear of losing a limb. A fear, this is where arachnophobia comes into play. Or a fear of snakes or a fear of needles. A fear of the dentist. You don't want to be maimed. You don't want something. It, it, it falls under what they call mutilation. Next is the loss of autonomy, the loss of independence, uh, paralysis, and claustrophobia. This is why some people can't commit to a relationship. Next is separation, the fear of being alone, being isolated. You look at what they do to some of the most hardened criminals. They put them alone in a box and they begin to cry because it's not good for man to be alone. Separation. Can you can see a lot of different fears go back to separation. And the fifth one is ego death, humiliation, loss of worth. When they do polls and they say, What's the most terrifying thing to you? Most people say public speaking. Because when you go out from yourself to other, there's a lot of room for you to get rejected. There's a lot of room for you to be humiliated. That's a fear. And you can be blood-bought. You can be born again. You can have the name of God called over you. And you can still have fear. It doesn't have to be this way. But you can be a covenant Christian. And there could still be things. You can walk out of service today and a shadow is over you. You can come to service and run the aisles and clap and dance and shout. And feel like you have victory. And you go to bed and you wake up and the shadow is there. born again, and have a panic attack, and the enemy tries to use that and say, yeah, see, it's not true. He tries to unvalidate what God has done for you because of fear. Think about Saul and the armies of Israel. They were name-called people. They had the covenant name of God on them, and they trembled in the valley of Elah because a man named Goliath. A man was shouting down God's army, and they trembled. And what does David do? David comes running down there, and when you read through it, it says, Saul and the army of Israel. And and Goliath, he doesn't get it, and he's like, look, I'm going to defy the armies of Israel this day. And David shows up, and he said, what's this guy doing defying the armies of the Lord? The armies of God. David saw these people from a different light. And David, he goes... And he runs down there, and he says, look, Goliath, look, you're a big guy. I should probably be afraid of you in my flesh. You're a lot bigger than me. You could probably manhandle me, but you don't understand. I come to you in the name of the Lord. And if I fear you, then I don't fear him. And let me tell you, Goliath, my God is far more terrible than you are. My God is far bigger than you are. My God. Is greater than you are. Someone needs to look at the face of fear. And say my God is bigger than that. In financial insecurity. My God is greater than you. The enemy knows. If he can put fear in your heart. Then you'll be, you'll be paralyzed. Unable to move forward. Into the promises of God. That's what Goliath was doing. He was standing there. He's saying, you can't go any further because guess what? If I win, you serve me. I remember going to God in a prayer meeting saying, God, this thing, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get it. And just real frankly, the spirit spoke to me and he said, either you take it or it will take you. More to being victorious than just being called by his name. And David, referring back to Psalm 23, he says, in this place, in this valley, there's an implied aloneness here. He said, in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Jesus said, don't fear the man that can kill your body. He said, fear the one that can kill your body and your soul. What he was telling you is it doesn't matter what's coming against you. God is the only one. We say this, we say, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. So, you can't love the world and you can't love God. Well, guess what? You can't fear the world and fear God. If you give God, if you really understand and you fear Him above all things, you can walk into the face of fire. You can walk into the face of that. I'm telling you, we can't live defeated. The name called people. Why? Why is he doing this? Why is he redeeming them? For my name's sake. Why? That I might show them my mighty power. Saul, yeah, your name called, but you don't have power. Why? Because you're terrified. Fear of the Lord. Victory, the fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. It doesn't matter how much you learn, how much you study, even if it's the Bible. If you don't fear God, you're not going to get it. You're not going to realize. David says, he leads me. This is why God separates us. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You could build the ark, build the boat, live the right way. But as long as you're attached to things of the world and you're not on the ark, you don't really fear God. And you can, you can try to get your family members in, but until you're really on the boat, shouting from the window, saying, look, guys, it's going to rain and you're going to be lost. We never get them on the boat. Well, you're not on the boat. Why do I need to be on the boat? Yeah, you built the boat. Yeah, you go in and out. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no what? No evil. Oh, well, I got fear all right. I got a healthy fear of God. The fact, look at this, the fact that death even has a shadow lets David know that there's a light on the other side of death. There is a source of illumination that's bigger than him, that's greater than him, that can consume him at any moment. David says, yeah, you're blocking my view right now, but I know the Lord is my shepherd, and he will redeem me for his namesake. I am his child. He is my king. It takes more than going to church. single parent. Hear me. There's a lot of fear the enemy tries to wrap into you. Get a babysitter and don't go out and feed your flesh. I know you need downtime. Get a babysitter and hide yourself away until you get a fresh revelation of who your God is. And you'll be able to stroll out. Yeah, I got three babies. I'm all alone, but guess what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want Oh, you still give temple offering? Yeah, I do. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And you might not feel it right now, but the end of this road, David says, surely goodness and mercy, it's going to follow me all the days. It's going to pursue me all my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was my intro. I'm just playing. (laughs) Revelation 21, verse 8. If you could put it up. Look at this. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable, I'm just a little bit afraid of, no, he's he's grouping this in. Why? Because if you really fear him, if you really know him, The fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers. I don't even need to read it. There's a place in the lake of fire. I didn't write it. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. You want to consume all the fears that overshadow you? Get a healthy fear of God. You got to recognize who is with you. You say... uh, you, you. I wish I could put this in you how I feel it. If you've been baptized in his name, he is with you. What's his name? Emmanuel being interpreted. God with us. Come on. So David, in this place, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. David, in the middle of your circumstances, can you see him? No. You can go to a prayer meeting and say, God, I need to see send an angel. David, can you see him? No. David, can you hear him? Well, when my baby was gonna die, I went and I fasted and I prayed, and God didn't answer. You're praying for God to do something, and He doesn't respond, and you get bitter and you wanna leave church, don't do that. David, can you see Him? No. Can you hear Him? Not right now, no. Well, how do you know He's there? His rod. His rod, the Lord loves who he chastens. He chastens who he loves. You're one foot in, one foot out, and all you feel is the pressure from God driving you back to the house of the Lord. The prodigal son went out and a famine hit to drive him home. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. They don't make me angry. They don't frustrate me. They comfort me. Why? Because there's a death coming and I gotta be ready for it. And God is with me. Backslider, if you have his name, his redemption's coming after you. Redemption always follows his name. We know this verse. Second Chronicles. 714. If my people, which are what called by my name, if my people that have had my name called over them will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. My people, it's a promise. When you're in covenant with God, you might be like Cain and exit the presence, but guess what? His arms are always reaching, he's always readily available. That's why there's so much power in the parable of the prodigal, which pastor preached last Sunday. Let me show you what redemption looks like. Brother PJ, where are you at? I wish he was in here. When I was praying for this service, God showed me Brother PJ's face. And he let me know that right now, he's one of the most pure people in this church. You can take it or leave it. I don't really care. I didn't. God showed me that in prayer. And here's the, here, this, is what's, this is the problem with the kingdom people, the people that never left. And I'm not being mean. Trust me. The older brother, the church, has a hard time accepting the son when he comes back. He still looks like the world. He still smells like the world. Brother PJ, I'm not talking about you anymore. <laughs> but humans have a hard time getting it. But when redemption happens, and the younger son comes back, and the father embraces him, perfection, instantly, it's an internal purity that takes place at redemption. And this is what the father said. He said, go get the best robe. And you go to Revelation, and you find a place where they see these people coming out in white robes, and they're confounded. Why are these robes so white? Well, they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You can't wash something in blood and make it come out white. It's an internal process. And this is how good redemption is. The psalmist says that when he cleans me, he washes me with hyssop and it cleans me. I become whiter than snow. Snow, as far as I can tell, is one of the most white, most pure substances. nature has to offer a polar bear it's it's not actually white the polar bear's fur is hollow and it's transparent, it's clear and a polar bear looks yellow on the snow because snow is that white it's blinding but the psalmist said he's going to make me whiter than snow and we're like I can't even comprehend that doesn't make sense but At the heart, at the center of every snowflake is a speck of dirt. Did you know that? (laughs) I had to look it up. But when you get redeemed, when you get washed, when redemption happens, you become whiter than that. Every speck is removed. No more filth. You might feel it, but no, you're clean. Why? For my name's sake. I will wash them. I will cleanse them. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Whiter than snow. Redemption always follows the name. When they were asking about paying. To Caesar. Say, Lord, should we pay tribute to Caesar? He says, Give me a penny. Let me look at it. He says, Whose image is on it? And whose superscription is on it? Whose image and whose name? They said, It's Caesar's. Okay. Well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, His name is on you. And we're all made in the image of God. So you can be outside of covenant, made in the image of God. Yeah, you're made in his image after his likeness, but you don't become his until you're buried in his name. And then at that point, we got to give to God what is God's. Mankind that, that tries to just go and live as their own little God king complex, they're spinning their wheels. Why? Because you weren't made for that. You were made in his image, after his likeness. And therefore, you should be his. Created for him. For relationship. Y'all know that. But it's impossible to have confidence in that shadow. Unless one, you know his name. And two, you fear him. And you'll know when you really have a fear of God. Because nothing else will faze you. You go to work, and you're all bottled up. You're you're afraid to speak. You're afraid to be. That's fear. And when you step on the other side and realize the God on the other side of the fear, you won't be afraid anymore. You won't be afraid of persecution. You won't be afraid of rejection, of humiliation. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. People say, what about grace? Grace. Hebrews 12, 28 says this, wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace. For what? Whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Oh, when you realize who's with you, my little girl's afraid of the dark. I put her in her room and she screams like a banshee. I'm like, man, she's so tired, but come sleep in my bed want her to sleep in her bed but she cries and she's afraid and what satisfies her fear she just hears me coming because she knows no one's bigger than my daddy no one it doesn't matter in their mind right now nobody can beat me up (laughs) my son saw this guy he's like dad I saw this guy his muscles were like this big but I know you're stronger (laughs) yeah yeah And you might see things with your eyes, but you can know that God is bigger. God is stronger. God is greater. And God is for you. He will lead you out of every fear, every anxiety, every phobia, everything you're dealing with. Get a revelation of how big he is, how great he is, how masterful he is. You can stand. Everybody stand. Let's all stand. living in sin. You don't fear God. Look at this. This will give you a new understanding of this scripture. Exodus 20 and 7. It says, take not the name of the Lord in vain. Take not the name in vain. This is a lot more than just saying the name of Jesus out of turn. This is saying, don't be my name called people and act like the world. Don't have the name called over you and live like a heathen. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain, because I won't hold you guiltless. To the naysayer, you think it's not necessary to fear God because of the grace he's provided. Let me remind you, Hebrews eleven seven. go ahead, put it up. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and what did he do? He moved with fear. Grace is the opportunity that we don't deserve. Grace is the plan that God gives us. He gives us the plan. He gives us the way out. It's not an umbrella to just over encompass you can just do whatever you want. The right response to grace is fear. It's reverence. You think my baby is afraid of me? No. She respects my boundaries. When my voice cracks, that's not a bad fear. She knows, dude. If you break into our house, you're a dead man. My daddy, he got one of those AR-15s.
0: I got one for each hand.
2: Bring 59 friends. I'm just kidding. I'm. Dead. modern Christianity, they don't want to build the boat. Modern Christianity has no fear of God, no tremble. And if you're that way, man, you need a revelation of how big God is. The monsters in hell, the devils, the monsters that go bump in the night, they're afraid of God. They live in hell and they're afraid of Him. I don't need to go to church. I'll get right when I want to. I don't need to fear God. Are you more pure than John? John the Revelator, Revelation. He said when he saw the glorified Christ, remember, he walked with him for three years. He was the beloved. He put his head on Jesus' chest. He knew him very well. But when he saw him glorified, it says, I fell to his feet as a dead man. My God got that kind of power. I shall not want. I have need of nothing. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. You might be going through hell. You know what? He said, even even if I go to the depths of hell, you are there. He's more in control than we realize. It doesn't say, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to get everything I want doesn't say the Lord is my shepherd. Life's going to be perfect. He's going to satisfy all my fleshly desires. No. He says the Lord is my shepherd. And even if I am in a cave, even if the authorities after me, even if my child dies, I shall not want. Oh. Some of you are getting it. You could sit there in smug defiance and say, well, death's not at my door. Yeah, it is. But you don't need to fear death. You need to fear him. You fear God, and you won't fear anything else. Your wife's not needy. She's not clingy. She's afraid of losing you. You got to pray together. That's why you got to fast together. That's why, regardless of your situation, you got to go to the house of the Lord. I know my baby just died. I'm broken. I'm grieving. But I'm going to anoint myself and go and worship God. There's peace in knowing Him. Surely, good me every day of my life and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord I don't care how dark it is in this valley in this shadow I don't care I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and when I was praying for this and I was seeking God I, I, he showed me the mansion and he showed me the streets of gold and I said no I just want a mat that a dog would sleep on at the edge of the throne room I want my proximity to be so close to him Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. If your name called, you have nothing to be afraid of today. His redemption is wider than snow. If you need that kind of redemption, this altar's free and open. If you feel like there's something, there's some dirt, there's some no, wider than snow. Maybe you just want to give God the reverence can't come to church casually we can't just walk in and talk all the drivel of the world we gotta come expecting that my God is gonna crack open the throne room and tear the veil and tear my flesh and introduce himself in a mighty way I am that I am I am that I was I am that I will be I will fear no evil thou art with me The Lord is my shepherd.
1: of my enemies, though the of flies and the terror of night is at my door, I trust you. I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. the shadow te The valley of the shadow day. You're on my side. Where the other side Shadow day, I will fear no evil, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the day.
2: afraid. You might be hiding, but you got his name. He said, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. I can't see him. I can't feel him. The Lord is with you. about to have a baptism this is where you get the name called over you this is where you get in covenant with God why would you not want to be in covenant with God why would you not want his name called over you thank you Jesus